If you like the show, share it with a friend. You can find us at facebook.com slash slipangleshow, and you can visit our new home on the web at www.tracktuned.com backslash slipangle. You can also leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today I'm in Swanee, Georgia at Maxis headquarters with my buddy Justin Tillis. How's it going, Justin? I'm doing well. How are you, Austin? Doing great. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're a new transplant down here to the Atlanta area. Uh, where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Minnesota, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. This is, uh, this is like summer for me. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> we're coming into February here. It, it feels pretty good to me. So It's not too bad down here. I nope. mean, it's uh, it's a far cry from from what you're used to being up in in Minnesota. I've been seeing a lot of negative uh, below zero temperatures up there. So yeah, this is uh, this is good. And you were telling me uh, before we started that you know a couple of our our buddies uh, like Andy Smedgard and, and stuff like that. Yeah, there's uh, there's a crew called RS Motors up there that they've uh, they've got a few racers. So uh, yeah, those are some of my old friends from back home. I used to uh, attend some events back there, some some different track events and autocross events with those guys. So, okay, where yeah. like Brainerd and stuff like that. Yeah, or? we did some events up at Brainerd. There's a, an map, event called Proving, Proving Grounds, Grounds up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern Automotive Performance puts that on, and then uh, yeah, just some of the auto local autocross events as well. Okay. Yeah, um, Andy's uh, a good friend of ours, and actually, uh, for those of you listening that don't know, Andy actually got second at the Optima Ultimate Streetcar Challenge this year in an Evo. So, almost had first, almost had it tied down, but uh, some things are out of your control. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he drove really well. I was actually out there for that event um, following SEMA. I was in, in Vegas for SEMA, so I had a chance to get out there and watch watch those guys, and they drove really, really well, and you know, there's just it's a tough event, and there's you know some different things that kind of factor in with, uh, um, you know, judge based on um, you know some of the design and stuff like that. So I, I think it's a tough event. You got to be very well rounded, and you know, it, driving is a portion of it. But uh, you know, they drove great, and uh, it, it's really cool to see see those guys do so well out there. Yeah. So I think we might uh, actually have some of those guys on the show here coming up soon. I'm uh, getting ready to go to Chicago for a couple of weeks, so hopefully we'll be able to connect and, and hook up with those guys a little bit. Yeah, so that would be really Maybe cool. do a little bit of ice racing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those guys would be down. They always are. So how'd you get into, into motorsports? Um, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, like being up there in the winter, there's a lot of time that you really can't do a lot of stuff. Um, so I'm sure... You know, you found some things to do in winter, but going back, like what's what kind of made you want to get into motorsports and tracking and autocrossing and stuff like that? And I don't know how far back I should go, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I was I grew up out in the country. We, you know, we were in a rural area, a small town, uh, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, we had, you know, some toys. We had dirt bikes and four wheelers growing up, um, you know, and, and I think. Kind of what got me going, um, you know, probably not unlike a lot of your listeners. Uh, my dad was a car guy, so um, he uh, he was a big Mustang guy back in the day, and and he had uh, 
always had cool cars when I was growing up. So um, I was around that. I, I was a little bit exposed to that, but he, he wasn't really into the motorsports aspect of it. You know, he would um, he would fix and repair cars, and, uh, you know, he just he, he would like to find project cars to work on. So, you know, I, I had some experience uh, on the mechanical side of it, I guess, um, but the motorsports thing sort of came a little bit later for me. Um, one of the things uh, w- w- that that really kind of got me excited about fast cars was um, when I was 15, uh, my dad showed up to pick me up in this old Beater S10 pickup. It was rusty and looked rough, but I noticed it had this unusual rumble to it. And, uh, and <laughs> like I said, a V8 swab or something? And so, well, so I asked him, I'm like, what, uh, what's the deal with this truck? And he said, well, this is going to be your, uh, this can be your first car. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, it looks a little rough. He's like, yeah. He's like, get in. So uh, he takes me for a ride in it. And uh, as you can imagine, once I heard that that V8 starting to roar, um, I, I realized what it was, and I got pretty excited about it. It turned out it was just some farmer had swapped in a, a 350. and uh, Carbureted? You know, or? Yeah, just an old carbureted motor. Okay. But, uh, you know, just still had just stock iron manifolds. And, um, yeah, nothing... Nothing fancy, but you can imagine in a little truck like that that it, it was a lot of fun. So oh, yeah. I don't know how he uh, came to the conclusion that would be a good first car for me, but <laughs> um, it was a two-wheel drive, short box, um, you know, pretty basic S10 pickup. And, um, you know, in Minnesota in the winters, it's it's far from ideal, especially <laughs> with a V8 engine in it. But uh, I, I got excited about it. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to be able to start racing people, and it's going to be fast and all that. And, uh, yeah, it, it turned out it wasn't that fast uh it it was it was quick you know it was fun to drive and you know i could manual uh, or auto it was an auto okay yeah yeah. uh one wheel wonder you know it (laughs) it uh it burned through that right rear tire really quick but uh but i had fun with it and uh, i drove it until um you know it just it couldn't hold any more oil and uh, (laughs) it just started knocking one day and it was done but um but that was my first kind of you know uh, exposure to uh uh somewhat of a performance vehicle it was you know something that was a little quicker a little you know unusual and yeah i made did a few little modifications to it i put in some lowering blocks and um you know it, did it was you a f- drop spindles on the front too or? no you know the okay. uh the v8 actually dropped it um oh yeah you know, about an inch and a half anyway so yeah. i think i put in like a two inch um you know uh block in the rear just to lower it and uh you know it was just a fun little truck i put some performance tires on it and some camaro wheels and and uh had a good time but um after that i i think i went a little more conservative and just had some you know i had a, an s10 blazer for a while and, and some different vehicles but uh you know this isn't really motorsports but at the time the sport truck scene for whatever reason was kind of big this is mid 90s and you saw a lot of these uh low rider trucks and you know trucks that were doing different engine swaps and, and stuff like that so um i thought that was kind of a cool scene um and then when I was uh, in high school, um, you know, I started seeing more cars like Honda Del Sol's and Mazda Miata's around. And there was a couple, you know, one of my teachers had this Honda Del Sol that was, you know, had these upgraded 16-inch aluminum wheels. And, uh, you know, there was this uh, other Miata in the neighboring town that I started seeing that had, you know, cool racing stripes. It was lowered, had 17-inch wheels. Um found out it had a turbo i'm like that's a cool car you know it's, yeah. it's small it's fast it looks like it handles well so i started getting excited about those kind of cars and 
Um, it was actually, I, I think, shortly after uh, graduation, I got my first um, Honda Del Sol. Um, didn't do a whole lot with that car. That was kind of a fun one, but uh, it, it was just, it was rough, and um, I ended up selling that one. And uh, later I got, uh, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, an Eagle Talon um, that I had for a little while. And it's, you know, it's starting to get more into that sport compact scene. Um, you know, I had my subscription to sport compact car at oh, that time. Oh, yeah, there so you go, man. I think Best I still have my ever. collection of those magazines sitting around somewhere, but... Um, you know, I, I guess I, I took more of an interest in the import stuff at, at that point, and I realized, you know, I, I, I naively thought that, uh, you know, you had to have a V8 to, to be fast, and, and I realized that, you know, that you could still have a quick, fun car, you know, that could handle, too, um, and, and be reliable and all that in these uh, sport compact cars. So, yeah, I, I took more of an interest at, at that point. Um, I think uh, early 2000s, I picked up my first Miata and, uh, you know, I thought that was a fun car, really fun to drive. And I started realizing, wow, these things, um, they do things differently than other cars I've driven, like the way it handles and, and, you know, it's not fast yet. It's still really fun. And I started to, you know, kind of pick up on, on these things. And, um, it was 2005 when I was, you know, just kind of researching some car stuff and just wondering what sorts of motorsports events were going on in Minnesota. And I remember, um, you know, being on the Miata forums and uh, uh, seeing a lot of people talking about autocross, and I didn't really know much about it. You know, I saw some pictures and I think a couple of videos, and uh, I found out that there was an event coming up in Minnesota, up in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go check it out and just see what it is, see if it looks like something that maybe I could p- participate in at, at some point. And um, at the time, I actually I didn't have a sports car. Um, I think I was um, driving a pickup or something like that. I don't remember for sure. But I went up there just to watch, just to see what it's all about. And uh, I think I walked up and I was there for about 30 seconds. And I'm like, I've got to do this. This is <laughs> this is this is what I've been looking for. I mean, this just looks like a blast. So um I ended up, uh, my dad actually at the time owned a used car dealership. So, you know, he had access to the auctions and and stuff like that. And we went down to one of these auto auctions and um, there was an old first generation RX-7, a 1981 RX-7 GSL, you know, had the limited slip differential and the rear disc brakes and very old school, old technology as far as sports cars are concerned. But I, I took it for a spin just in the parking lot there and I'm like, yeah, I think this thing will work. I, I think this is going to, you know, this is going to work for me. Let, let's see if we can get a deal on it. And I think I ended up getting it for like 600 bucks or something wow. like that. It was it was rough. You know, yeah. it had a little rust and, you know, it, it wasn't anything. That's just weight savings, man. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I picked that car up and uh, I went online and I, I checked to see when the next event was going to be. And um, I, I saw there was one that was about a month out. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll, you know, start trying to get this car ready. So I kind of went through and started looking online to see if I could find some wheels and tires, you know, something a little more performance oriented for it. And uh, I found a set. There was a guy selling a set specific, you know, I don't know if you know this, the RX-7s had the unique four on one ten lug pattern. So I, uh, it, I found out like, uh, you know, wheels aren't easy to find for these cars. So I found a set of race wheels and tires and, and uh, went out to my first event and I got there and you know, some people were pretty helpful in telling me, you know, this is kind of how it works and what you'll need to do. And I'm like, well, I said, I'm, I'm a little nervous, you know. They're like, oh, there will be an instructor up there who can ride along with you and give you tips and all that. And uh, it just so happened when I got to the line, all the instructors were out riding with other people. And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. Just go for <laughs> it. You'll have fun. I'm like, all right. And, uh, you know, I, I think 
probably anybody who's autocross can probably remember that first run when you cross those finish lights and you hit the brakes and uh your heart is just racing and you know you're, you're yep. sweating and you just <laughs> you've got so much excitement and you just got that that feeling of wow this is like the coolest thing ever yeah <laughs> i want to do it again right now <laughs> and as many times as i can so yeah it, it uh it was intense and do you and, have a, a clean run your first run yeah, yeah turns out yeah turns out i did have a clean yeah. run i had a good time um i was just in you know the novice group at that time yeah and uh i think i came in like mid-pack i'm like that seems pretty bad. reasonable yeah. you know i think uh if you use uh, the old packs calculation that i i was probably pretty far back but <laughs> in my mind i i thought i did pretty well yeah and um i'm like i i gotta keep doing this i gotta do this more i need to you know i need to find a better car or prep this car more or, you know i just wanted wanted to do this and i wanted to be good at it yeah and uh and that was 2005, so I've been autocrossing since then, and um, you know I've I've gone through a ton of different cars. <laughs> I you know I know a lot of car guys have you know this this car ADD where you you just want to drive something and then something else, and you just want to experience um, all the, these. The internet makes it even worse too, doesn't oh, it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you hear like about it, how great this car is, yeah. or you read the specs on this car, and it's like, oh, that any, seems like the perfect car. I think any of my anybody that's personal friends with me on Facebook and has been for the past couple of years knows that like for a long time, uh, especially when I had a real job and was making money. Uh, like every week I'd want a different car. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm very specific about what I want. You know, like, so when I was looking at Tacomas, I had to have a double cab, long bed, four wheel drive, sport, like very, very specific. Yeah. Same thing when I was looking like at Fiesta STs, I had to have white ST3, you know, with the Recaros and everything. And so it just, it's, it's kind of funny. The internet is kind of the, it steals a lot of my productivity. That's, <laughs> that's all I'll say there. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the one thing I can say is after 10 years of autocross and driving a lot of different cars is I, I have a really good idea of what to expect with each one. So it, it does kind of help you narrow it down. You yeah. figure out what you like and you figure out, you know, which one, um, is probably a good fit for you. And, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I've got a couple of cars that I really enjoy and, and, uh, yeah, what, a lot of fun. what are those that you have right now? Uh, so I, my, my daily driver right now, I've got a 2008, uh, Mazda Speed 3. Okay, uh, 2008 actually, and a half? It's the early 2008. Oh, man. I know, I was looking for the later one, but uh, I found a great deal on this this uh, earlier 2008 model. It was actually from another autocrosser over in South Carolina, and um, he had actually already prepped it for uh, um, STX. Okay. And, um, you know, it, he did a nice job. It, the suspension and the, the power is good. It's, uh, it's a fun car, so I, I test drove it, and I hadn't really experienced anything with, you know, that much power through a front wheel drive before so uh <laughs> i was i was pretty excited about it so yeah it's it's been a lot of fun i you know i i picked that up earlier this year and uh, uh it, you know it's seems to be a solid car uh, how, how competitive are those in stx you know uh you'll get different opinions on it some people will say that they you know they they think they can still compete others will say mm -hmm. you know it's not really the car to have and i would i would probably agree with that it's maybe not the best car to have um, I think, you know, I, I think it's possible you could still trophy with one um, in a national event with it. I don't know that it's it's going to be on top. It's just uh, you've got um, 
a lot of competition in that class now. There's been, yeah. you know, with uh, what, what are the new the new car? I know the FRS and BRZ are in there. Yeah. Uh, what the Focus Focus ST Focus is in ST there. Focus ST is there now. Uh, yeah. What are kind of the hot cars for that class? Yeah. Or, or there's some WRXs in there too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just the regular uh, WRX though. That that car, it seems like not a lot of people are running that anymore. I know a few people did some some cool builds with those. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like you mentioned, the twins are, are popular there. Uh, I'm trying to recall what other cars are, are kind of big there right now. Uh, I know Craig Wilcox is running um, a Mini Cooper S and okay. has done really well with it. I know that was kind of one of the underdog sort of, you know, black horse type cars that nobody really knew if, yeah. if it was going to do well. And sure enough, he came out and prepped it really well and, and he's been doing great with it. So um, I and that's kind of how I am with, uh, with with my approach autocross. Like I like the uh, those sort of unknown cars that on paper they look like maybe they could compete, but nobody really knows for sure. And yeah, I've always wanted to be you know the guy to find out like to to see can this car do it and um we which, need to find a wagon that fits in there man <laughs> well <laughs> you're, you're close so you're so close. actually no uh, that that kind of you know i guess that's a good transition to what my other car is which um is a street touring front wheel drive car uh for secca that i i specifically sought out for the class and um it's a 2004 uh focus zx3 um, that's kind of a unique model. It was a, a partial zero emissions model that was only hmm. um, available in certain states. And it was actually uh, Ford was trying to meet their quota that was required at the time for zero emissions vehicles. And um, since they weren't able to do a, a full zero emissions vehicle yet at the time, they they were able to get a partial credit for making a partial zero emissions vehicle. So that's where these focuses came out. Okay. Um, what, what's different about it? It's actually in the fuel system. It's, it's uh, the way the fuel system is set up. I think it's designed to sort of uh, make sure that any sort of fumes and anything like that is all contained. It's a sealed contained fuel system. Okay. Um, and, and they've got a couple other unique things. Uh, they got a lifetime air filter and there's just, there's some special things, but the thing that really made it cool to me was uh, it, it had this 2.3 liter Duratec engine rather than the two liter ZTEC engine, which was much more common in the cars yeah. um, that were, you know, produced at that time. So, uh, and that's, it, to those who don't know, that's a, a two, that 2.3 liter Duratec is, is uh, basically the same engine as the Mazda uh, MZR engine that would come oh, really? in the Mazda 3s, the 2.3 liter okay, I didn't MZR know that. engine. A couple of minor the, differences. What came in the SVT Focus? Was it um, the two liter? Yeah, okay. yeah, that was okay. actually a two-liter, but that was the the old iron block. Um, okay. It was kind of based off the ZTEC. Um, it had a little different uh, head design, I think, and there was some other things that, that gave it some more power. But uh, um, and a lot of people ask, actually asked me about that, why I didn't go with an SVT, and there were actually um, some, some reasons for it. Um, the SVT was already a very well-tuned car. There wasn't a whole lot more power to be gained um, by doing the street touring mods, so... Um, that was part of the reason I went with that 2.3 liter engine. I, I knew that being a partial zero emissions vehicle, you know, it's got three catalysts in the, you know, from the, the manifold down to the, the final cat, um, you know, so it, it's not breathing very well through the exhaust. Yeah. The, uh, the so for like intake, a stock class, uh, you might not want to run that car as much, right? Right, exactly. In, in stock form, uh, it, it's a pretty boring car. There's yeah. nothing very exciting about it. It's softly sprung, kind of heavy, doesn't make a lot of power. Um, you know, the SVT would be a much better choice if somebody wanted to run a Focus. Um, but I saw the potential there. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I started looking at um, dyno charts from what people were making, um, you know, with simple bolt-on mods. You yeah, know. what do those make when you when you kind of open them up a little bit? Well, yeah, so in stock form, I, I think most of the dynos I've seen, they make around 135 to 140, right in that range for horsepower. Mm -hmm. uh, 
in uh, with you know basic street touring bolt-on modifications and and a tune uh, is probably a good idea. Um, you know, cold air intake, header, a tunes, catback exhaust, a high flow cat. Um, mine made, uh, I think, uh, as high as 158 uh, okay. on a Mustang Dyno, which How is much usually that thing conservative. Um, you know, when I bought the car, I went across the scales just to see what it was in stock form, and it was just a hair over 2,600. Wow. <laughs> With you in it? Um, nope, that was okay. that was just a car without without me in it. Okay. And um, you know, between the exhaust, the wheels, the suspension, all the allowed mods, um, you know, the seats, stuff like that, um, I was able to get it down to at the 2015 Solo Nationals. I went across the scales; it came in at 2396. Wow! So just a hair under 2400. Wow! And, is that uh, that's a two door? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow, that's so, uh, it's an interesting choice, but I mean, is it has it been pretty competitive for you? Yeah, actually, uh, my co-driver and I um, have have done very well in it. Uh, my co-driver uh, Preston Jordan, he's driven with me the last couple of years at nationals, um, and in 2014, when I first built the car, we actually ran quite a few events um, in both Pro Solo and uh, and the Champ Tour, and uh, we did really well. Yeah, we uh, we brought home some some trophies and some contingency money, and uh, yeah, it was a it was an exciting year. Um, having moved down here last year to come work for Maxis, um, yeah, 2015 wasn't a, wasn't a real active season for us, but we did run again at nationals Okay, and, um, yeah, we did. Okay. I, I think he ended up coming in fourth overall in, in street touring front wheel drive. Okay. I was uh, a few spots back from that, but, um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun. I think both of us had like two events the whole season. So we, uh, you know, for not having a lot of seat time, that's, uh, it's pretty pretty good showing. Though. Well, yeah, we don't want to make excuse, excuses, but yeah, it uh, we we <laughs> racers excuses dis- no never no, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a fun car, and I've kind of been on the fence. Uh, I've had a, a few people express interest in it, um, and I've been thinking, you know, maybe it's time to try something else. I've, yeah. Uh, when I bought the car, you know, I I put a lot of effort into it, and I promised myself two years. I've got to at least put two seasons in it uh, to justify all the work I put into it. Um, so those two years are done. So I guess at this point, you know, if I decide to sell it, I, I oh, cage it, turn it into a race car, man. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of options, a lot of cool things I could do with it, I guess. So we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, it's a fun car. It's, it does a lot of things. Well, you know, it's just quick enough to be fun. Um, you know, running it's got costs space are probably to pretty low too. What's that? Running costs are probably pretty low. Oh yeah. I mean, parts are, are super cheap. I mean, there's a, a ton of focuses out there. So, um, yeah, there. You can haul. Oh man, I don't know how many wheels and tires in there. I think I've had probably at least twelve tires in there at once before, <laughs> if not more. Um, so yeah, there's a, a a lot of nice things about that car. It's pretty reliable. That that two point three liter is a really good engine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've got no complaints about it. I know some people are, you know, a little uh, hesitant to uh, to drive a Focus, but I, I've been really happy with it. Yeah. You know, having you know gone from the Focus to the to the Mazda Speed Three, uh, have you have you run the Mazda Speed Three yet at an event? Uh, I did run one local event with okay. it. Okay, yeah. how how was it? You know, is it pretty pretty well sorted out of the box? Yeah, I well, mean, it, it, I mean, obviously it had mods done to it when you bought it. Right, but. exactly. Yeah, it was okay. Um, it was on older tires, um, so I I hadn't gotten new tires for it um, at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I felt like it did respectable. I think it was maybe two seconds off the the fastest time in the okay. in the class. So. Um, for a car I had never driven before and, you know, for a car that isn't 
necessarily ideal for the class. I was pretty, I thought that was pretty respectable. Yeah. So. You know, what's, uh, you know, coming down here to Atlanta, uh, a lot of people don't realize that Atlanta actually has a pretty decent pool of drivers. Um, you know, what's it, what was it like for you coming, I guess, coming from Minnesota down here, you know, where people can essentially autocross all year round? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Well, it, it's, that's, Funny because I I was pretty excited about that and uh, it turns out while they could autocross year round they don't autocross year round down here so um, but the season is longer down here it starts a little earlier and it, it gets done a little later but uh, are any of the groups still doing night events I feel like I I saw a couple years ago maybe one of the the local chapters was doing like a night event out at Atlanta Motor wow, Speedway. Yeah, I have no idea. That sounds sounds yeah. fun, but Yeah, I think no, it was like I... a Friday evening from like 5 until like 10. Okay. And they had like the lights on and everything and so uh, it's kind of kind of cool. If you hear about it, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun, but no, I I guess I hadn't heard about that. Um yeah, as far as the scene goes and the drivers, you know, the level of competition in Minnesota is uh actually really good too. There's a lot of solid drivers up there. We've mm -hmm. got a couple of SCCA solo national champions and a lot of people who have, you know, been top 3 a, a number of times. Um so there's there's a pretty good talent pool up there but yeah coming down here it's kind of the same deal you got some really good drivers here too yeah. so um and I've I've done enough national events that I've I've seen a lot of these drivers before and I know you know mm -hmm. how well they drive so I I kind of knew what to expect coming down here and I recognized some of the names when I got here um got some really cool guys like Randall Prince has been uh, really helpful and uh you know, he, uh, he even let me uh, drive that uh, old BMW, his yeah. Uh, yeah, the uh, E36 that he has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool scene down here. And I know there's been some changes. There's been some different things going on uh, just as of late. And uh, we'll see uh, how all that pans out. But, um, but I'm excited about it. I think, uh, I think there's good things. I just got to find some time to get out and actually make yeah. some events. That's, <laughs> that's the trick. So. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you travel a decent amount for work. and yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're just coming into uh, to the busy season as far as travel goes. Um, I I think uh, the next few months I've got probably eight different trips planned. Okay, um, just over the next few months, kind of around you the need country. Extend those trips things. a little bit and find events to be able to run on like a Saturday, <laughs> right? And, you know, yeah, maybe some of our listeners can help you out and get you a seat. <laughs> hey, if anybody can make that happen, I'd be down. That would be really cool. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I uh, you know, I've been traveling all around the country for work, uh, for different events, for some racing events, for some trade shows. Um, you know, that's one of the cool things uh, working at Maxis is there's really uh, a lot of nice variety here. And we're also very involved in motorsports. So yeah. I get to, uh, you know, kind of enjoy my hobby while I'm working um, a lot of the times. Um, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of work involved, too. <laughs> and it's not always fun, but uh, it's it's nice to get that variety, I guess. Yeah. At least as an enthusiast, you're you're able to work around instead of selling like big off road or OTR tires or over the road, you know, over the road trucks and stuff like that. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. you're on the right side of the of the tire side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I don't know. You know, uh, I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with Maxis, but yeah, we are involved in so many different forms of uh, motorsports and we make tires for just about everything. So yeah, yeah um, being on this side of it. Yeah. I, I do get uh, to see some of the, the cool stuff, you know, the stuff I really enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, for, for some of our listeners out there, um, if you, if you're not aware, Maxis makes tires for mountain bikes, uh, ATVs, um, you know, big off-road truck tires, off-road racing tires, uh, side-by-sides. Um, they're kind of, it's one of the, to me, it's kind of one of the enthusiast tire uh, companies. 
because uh, you guys kind of focus all, you know, you have your, your light truck and your, your passenger tires as well, right. but you also make kind of more specialty tires for, for people that enjoy driving or, or doing things that most normal consumers don't enjoy as much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that's only, you know, some of the stuff you listed, that's, that's what we carry in the U S uh, market, but we actually, I mean, we're car tires too, don't you? Yeah. We, yeah. we make car tires. Um, you know, we even do like the, the larger medium truck commercial tires. Um, we do I, just, just about everything. Yeah. Um, but globally we're, we're a pretty big company. We're the ninth largest tire manufacturer in the world. So, okay. um, that that means that yeah we're we're well recognized in a lot of countries i think we've got um over 25,000 employees, I believe, oh, uh, wow. internationally. So, What's the history of Maxxis, like in the States at least? Um, well, yeah, I, I guess uh, they came to the States in the mid-'80s, um, and uh, you know, we uh, were part of a, a larger company called uh, Chengxin Tire. Um, so Chengxin still exists as a company called CST now. Um, so we have sort of our CST brand, and then we have our Maxxis brand, and we make you know, a variety of tires for, for both brands. But um, originally it was Chengxin, um, came out of Taiwan, um, and uh, I believe that was in the early 60s, and they were manufacturing bicycle tires at the time is kind of what they started off with. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I think even now I believe we're still the, the number one manufacturer of bicycle tires worldwide. Oh, wow. So uh, we make a lot of bike tires. Yeah. Yeah, but, I know I've uh, seen a lot like of mountain bike tires and stuff like that. Yep, yep. So, um, but, yeah, when we came to the States in the 80s, uh, they didn't have a, a quite a, as large of an offering as, as we did in other countries. Um, but... That's slowly, uh, you know, kind of grew into more and more things. We started looking at different opportunities to get involved in motorsports and stuff like that. So um, that's where some of those, the fun tires started to, to come around um, was from some of that. So um, I think it was in the early 2000s we started getting involved uh, with some of the, the short course off-road racing, um, some of the um, crawling events, um, type off-road events. Um, yeah. We, you know, we, we Rock and Dirt Riot and Ultra 4 um, we're involved in the Torque series, the Lucas Offroad, uh, Lucas Offroad uh, Racing series. Um, you know, we've got a lot of sponsored drivers in those, uh, doing really well. So, um, some of that stuff started to to grow in the early two thousands, and then we started getting more and more into motorsports. So, yeah, we're yeah. very involved in all of that. Okay, yeah, I mean, just recently, uh, you guys, I guess what, maybe two or three years ago, started getting into more of the type of stuff that you and I like, uh, road course and, and stuff like that, and autocross. Um, what was the first tire you guys brought out? Wasn't it the, the RC1 kind of in that arena a couple yeah, years ago? Yeah, for the real performance tire, yeah, we did have a tire, um, and we still make it. The uh, the MAZ1 was actually uh, more of our uh, our tire for our sponsored drifters. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it is a UHP tire. Um, it's It's probably not quite the same um, and UHP is for ultra high performance, ultra high performance for, for those right. of you that don't know <laughs> yeah yeah so we um, we did a little bit with that um, but it wasn't something we were involved in any like serious racing series or anything like that it was just right. it was mostly just made for our drifters um, but yeah that RC1 uh, a few years ago actually uh, my understanding is the story um, that I've heard is that that tire was actually developed for I believe a relative of one of the executives over in Maxis Taiwan really um, who wanted to get into motorsports but was you know a little disappointed that we didn't have an offering in in uh, that category so 
Um, wouldn't sure it be enough. wouldn't it be nice to be high up enough in a company to right? or you know with connections <laughs> to to make that happen? Yeah, so uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, the story goes. Uh, you know, we needed to make a tire. If other people were making it, and he was going to have to run somebody else's tire, then that wasn't going to be acceptable. So uh, we developed the RC one, and um, you know, it, it was our first real venture into that you know competition tire category. Yeah. Do you have you any know? idea how long that took to develop? You know, I I don't know a lot of the history about the uh, original development of it. Yeah, that was I know that was before that you. you yeah, that's before, you before came I in, came in. in but uh, I, I've heard a little bit about it. But yeah, I I, um, I know they did a lot of testing at the time. Yeah. Um, and kind of you know I, I guess what brought us into another tire category, which is our our latest tire, this VR one, um, was that that tire, that RC1, um, didn't have the, the full tread and the grooving, um, you know, that they needed for, uh, for the rainy conditions that they would see in that part of Asia. So, um, that's kind of where the VR1 came about huh. is, uh, they, they started looking at that like, you know, we need, a, a an option for, for rain because this RC1, while it's, it's good in damp conditions, but when you get, there's just no water, rain, it yeah, just, there's yeah, no water shedding. It can't yeah. evacuate the water, um, very well. So, uh, that's where the VR1 kind of came about. And, um, yeah, I'm excited about the VR1 because uh, being an autocrosser and, and being involved in some different motorsports, I know where, you know, that 200 treadwear category is right now and yeah. all of the things that are, you know, there's a lot of good options out there right now. And a lot of companies seem to be kind of competing for that uh, that segment right now. So um, to be involved in that and kind of in the mix now, uh, I'm excited about it's that. It's kind of like where the new tire war is at. Is, yeah, <laughs> is yeah right exactly. That, it really territory. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um in that tire, the VR1, um, they had actually started development um, shortly before I came to work for Maxis. So I didn't have a whole lot of input on uh, on what they did with that, mm-hmm. um, except for uh, sizes. You know, they, they talked about, um, you know, what sizes they wanted to offer it in and, and what they wanted to bring out. And I got pretty excited about that because I... I've just I've been a tire geek for a long time, so yeah. like I'm like cool. We can uh, you know come up with some cool sizes that nobody offers, you know. And going back to my Miata days, I remember a lot of people asking about this 245 4015. You know, if somebody would just make a 245 4015, that would be like the perfect tire for Miata. Yeah, um, in, in a street tire, you know. Um, I think there was already a couple of options, including our RC1 available um, for competition tires, but nothing that was like a good street tire. So uh, right away, I'm like this size we've got to make it we need to make this 245 4015 yeah. and i you know i explained my case i made my case for it and um and thank god they listened yeah <laughs> yeah so uh i just got word that uh, they're just finishing up the the first batch of them uh overseas right now so okay. we should see those soon so i'm i'm pretty excited about it yeah uh, yeah for for our listeners that don't know it's not that simple to make a different size tire um there's a lot of hoops you have to go through because it is pretty expensive you know to develop a mold for it and everything and decide to carry it you know with a part number so it's uh kudos to you man hey i'm, I'm <laughs> thanks, excited about thanks it. For making yeah, that happen. And it and it wasn't all me i mean there was other people i know um uh, emilio from 949 racing yeah. had brought up that size before yeah. with the rc1 he was very involved in that tire at that time because that's what they run in the super miata series right? um they actually run the 225 45 oh, okay. 15 in that series but okay. yeah that's uh they do run the rc1 in in that series 
Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and that's an, another one where they're going to have an option now for a rain tire with this VR one. Yeah. Um, Actually, I, I saw on Facebook that Amelia was posting up yesterday cause it's supposed to rain for their super Miata event. I think this oh, okay. weekend yep. asking what people were running yeah. uh, for their, for the rain tire. I don't know if it's because of that eventually maybe, or, well, yeah, I guess they'll have to run whatever they can, uh, this time around, but yeah, hopefully we'll have that VR one, VR one, uh, out soon enough where people will start be, being able to run that. And yeah. one of the cool things about it, it's actually molded a little bit deeper than a lot of uh, tires oh, really? in that what's, category. Oh, really? What's the tread depth? We've got it at 9.30 seconds, okay. which... Most uh, of them are usually 7 to 8, aren't 7 they? to 8 is a yeah. lot more common in that category, yeah. So, um, you know, for, for a rain tire, that's great. I mean, um, and it's got um, some really nice grooving in it, some some deep circumferential grooves and uh, some nice diagonal grooves that uh, should really help to channel water well, too. Yeah. Is that an asymmetrical tire? Uh, no, it is uh, directional. It's directional? Yeah, okay. just a standard directional nice. tire. Nice. Yeah. So that way, if you're running some camber or some toe, you can yep, you dismount can flip it, flip it on the wheel. Yeah, get a little more life out yeah, of it. That's yeah. what I, I, I started running directionals recently because I was running asymmetricals before and started getting a little bit. For those of you that don't know, asymmetrical is where it has an inside and an outside to the tread pattern and the outside needs to be mounted to the outside of the vehicle. Um, but because of that, if you have any sort of camber wear or anything or toe wear, uh, you can't really do too much about it. You just kind of live with it. Um, but with the directional, like my, my last tires that I ran, they were directional and they were, you know, performance summer tires. And I got 30,000 miles out of them because they were directional. So I could keep flipping them back and forth, even the wear out. So that's uh that's a nice feature too. And you know, they're great in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're pretty excited about it. We've done a little bit of, uh, internal testing here. Um, so we're, we're, we've got more testing coming up, uh, to, uh, we're actually going to see how they do in an endurance format. So we're excited about that. that going to be uh, running them at a certain event around here locally endurance um, wise. We may or may not be, <laughs> I, I can't really get into it, but yeah, we, uh, we will be testing them. So, um, but I, I think it's going to be a great tire for endurance racing. I think anybody running in like world racing, league chump car lemons yeah. any of those series i think it's going to be the perfect tire for those series so, yeah yeah it uh our testing sh so far shows that uh you know it holds up to heat cycling really well um heat tolerance is pretty good uh, my understanding is that you know if it does get to that point of starting to overheat a little bit that it doesn't take much to come back and you know the the quote-unquote fall off is uh pretty minimal compared to uh, some of the tires that are out there i know some tires fall off pretty hard when they when they overheat and yeah. uh it sounds like uh, it should be, you know, the ideal tire for uh, for that that sort of racing. So. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty pretty exciting option. Yeah, you know, there's some tires out there that kind of blur the line uh, between like R comp and street tire, but they don't last very long. So that's yeah. that's the main thing for a lot of people. Like, yeah, it's cool that they're fast, but you know, to only be able to get a day out of them, that doesn't make a lot of financial sense. Right. So, which is one thing that you know the RC one has done really well with too. You know, reports from Emilio and from people that. I know uh, one of our, our listeners, uh, Chris Weber out of Chicago, they got, I think they got almost a hundred heat cycles out of their RC ones on their infinity G 20 that they had. Yeah. So. Yeah. We might have to work on that. That might not be good for business. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great to hear though. I mean, that's, uh, that's really cool that, that they're lasting that long because yeah, I know, um, you're right. I think the lines between, uh, street tire and race tire have kind of been blurred a little bit, um, with, with some of the newer tires that are out there, which, you know, as long as they're, they're lasting and, and people feel like they're getting their, their money's worth. then I think that's fine. I think that's great. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that's uh, a good thing and I hope, you know, hope we can compete well in that market as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see the tire wars, you know, are, 
ongoing. So, um, you know, we'll see what the next next few years bring. But um, I think that's one of the things that ex- that excites me about the VR one is that, you know, it, it's kind of letting people know we're serious about being in this market and we want to compete. And um, if it ends up being a, a great tire, a great tire option for 2016, we'll be thrilled. Um, and it, it's all the more reason for us to, uh, uh, you know, look at expanding um, that type of product in the future. So. Yeah. When are those going to start being available? Uh, right now we're looking at uh, sometime in March. I don't have an exact date, but uh, I think we should um, should be seeing them in March. Um, and hopefully by the end of March, uh, I think they should be available to the public for purchase. Okay. And we were talking before we came on air, they're only going to be available through Maxis Direct, correct? Um, you know, that, it, it, initially, first, yeah, right? yeah. We are looking at some different uh, channels for distribution, but yeah, uh, for sure they will be available there um, at, at a minimum. And there might be some other opportunities to purchase them elsewhere. But I would say uh, if you are interested in purchasing a set, that would be the place that, that you'll probably plan to get them uh, at first. Okay. So. How many how many sizes are in the initial rollout? Um, we'll have seven sizes initially. Okay. Um, and it, I, I've had a few people that were a little upset with me about that. They're like, well, what about this size? And what about that size? And I'm like, I, I understand. I get it. I wish we could have more sizes right away. Um, we had to make a decision whether we wanted to um, make this a 2016 tire or not. And in order to do so, um, to make it eligible for certain competition, we had to have, you know, the right number of sizes and, and all of that. So, um, and they had to be available by a certain time frame. Yeah. So, uh, in order to do that, we had to decide, you know, do we want to try and make it in time for that cutoff with limited sizes or do we want to hold out for another year and, and have a, a, a bigger line? And, um, I, I just, I felt like, you know, with where things are at in that industry right now and in, in that market, I think we need to do it now. I yeah. think we need to go for it. Well, I remember so. when I worked in the tire industry, I think, uh, when I left, there were something like 430 different sizes in the passenger and light truck markets. So, you know, it just, but really for enthusiasts, there's only a few select sizes that you really need. So I exactly. think, I think you guys are doing it the right way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in a perfect world, I think you know, probably 20 to 30 sizes is right in the ballpark is going to give you really good coverage um, for most platforms for what people need, um, especially for like competition and high performance stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is a start, you know, it's uh, again, this is us like really getting serious about this, this market in this category. And we're doing what we can to make sure we um, put in, you know, a, a good, solid start to it. So um, it's not a ton of sizes. We do have plans for more sizes to come out later. Um, I don't have dates on those yet, but, um, we've got some other cool sizes planned. So hopefully we'll start to see some of those roll out throughout the year. Okay. And now on the, uh, for the drifting side, you guys sponsor a couple professional drifters too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Probably our, our, uh, big guy that people, uh, would be most likely to know is going to be Ryan Turk. He's got, we know, uh, we know Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I know you guys have been involved with him a little bit with good life and stuff. So, um, yeah, Ryan's, uh, you know, he's got a really cool car, um, and he's obviously done really well. Uh, you know, I, I think he took first down at uh, uh, Orlando um, earlier in the year. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I believe uh, we're going to be doing um, the same thing again this year with him. I think he's going to stay on board with Maxis again for 2016, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see uh, more good things out of him. So. Yeah. So well, we'll take a quick break real quick, and uh, we're going to go have a quick Speed Secret with Ross Bentley, and we'll be right back. 
Uh, man, that sounds so good when the engine's revving, it's right at the top of its RPM range, isn't it? Yeah, the problem is sometimes we, we, we get addicted to that sound that it makes us feel like we're going fast, but we're actually not going as fast as we could. And where I'm, what I'm really talking about here is there are times when you're coming through a corner that you're driving through, let's say in second gear, that if you actually drove through there in third gear, you would be quicker. You'd be faster through that corner and around the rest of the lap. It may not feel as fast, it may not sound as fast, but you actually be a little bit quicker. So next time you're at a track, I'd challenge you to think about which corners could you actually drive driving in a taller gear. It'll actually force you to carry a little bit more momentum because then it's like, how do I carry that, that, that lower RPM through there without the engine bogging down? What could I do to make the car get through that corner? Unwind the wheel a little sooner, um, be a little more gently with the brake release, you know, really try to let the car flow through the corners more and more have more, mo more momentum. And that, that's gonna make you quicker. So even though it may not sound as fast, you might actually be quicker. A second part of this though is as a, as a, as a learning strategy, a lot of drivers that I work with, I'll say, you know, sure that corner is, a, it's a third gear corner, but I want you to drive a whole session driving through there in fourth gear. And yes, you may end up going back to using third gear later, but for now, just the fact that you're getting used to carrying that speed of fourth gear through that corner, it'll then get you used to using that third gear, that same speed, but only in third gear then. So as a, as a learning step, Sometimes just going and driving a corner in a taller gear helps. So think about that. Try driving a taller gear. And we're back. Thanks, Ross, for that tip. Uh, to find out more about Ross and Speed Secrets, you can visit speedsecrets.com. Now, Justin, tell us a little bit kind of about your background in the, the motorsports industry. Uh, you know, because obviously you did stuff before you came here to Maxis. Um, what did you do before that? Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, me growing up around cars and all that. So, um, you know, in my early 20s, I had some different sales jobs and uh, eventually uh, found my way into a position as a, a service advisor at a repair shop. And um, I did that for a little while um, and then uh, moved on to another shop, did the same thing. And then uh, at that shop, uh, I found out that that particular company had uh, a wholesale program um, that uh, they sold to other other dealers and uh, I inquired about that and it turned out they had actually had a position open as an outside sales rep um, for uh, the wholesale tire end of things and uh, I applied for it and got the position and uh, I did that for a few years and that was really interesting you know that that kind of exposed me to a, a side of the tire industry I hadn't really seen before um, you know seeing the sort of volume of, of tires that actually you <laughs> yeah. know, circulates um, you know that's and we were a regional company uh, I think we covered the five state area up in the Midwest uh, you know Minnesota North Dakota South Dakota Iowa Wisconsin so um, we, we covered a, a pretty good area I covered the Twin Cities metro area when I was there but um, yeah, it it, uh, it didn't do much for me on the motorsports side of things, um, but it did get me uh, a little more involved in in the automotive side of right um, uh, of things as far as sales and, and all that. So um, I did that for a few years. That particular company ended up selling that division, the wholesale division that I worked for, and uh, you know I found myself out of a job. So um, I. Uh, I kind of come from a family of entrepreneurs, people, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, my dad, my uncle, my grandfather, they all, um, you know, had owned their own businesses at some point in time. And I always kind of saw myself doing the same thing at some point. 
and I thought, well, this might just be the kick in the kick in the pants that I needed to to move forward with this. So um, I went ahead and I started up my own company. Um, I uh, actually got got in touch with Hoosier, and I had become a Hoosier tire dealer for a little while. Okay. Um, actually, well, yeah, while I had owned my company, um, and then I started getting into other brands, and this was. Uh, while at the same time I was very involved in autocross and um, that kind of became a little bit more of my focus. Uh, you know, I, I still sold tires just uh, to the the regular uh, retail customer, you know, who just needed a set of minivan tires. But at the same time, um, I was mounting, mounting and balancing sports car tires and wheels and, and competition stuff. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I had a tire true where I was actually shaving tires for people. Oh, and, really? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, uh, I, I, Really? Yeah, for, for our listeners that don't know, uh, I'm sure, you know, you've heard about tire shaving, but what are, tell some of them what some of the benefits are of shaving the tires. Yeah, I think uh, for most people, um, there's, you know, there's multiple benefits to it if you're running in the dry. Uh, if you're running in wet conditions, they're <laughs> usually not quite as good. But yeah, uh, yeah for for uh, certain surfaces, certain conditions, um, it, it can make a lot of sense to shave a set of tires, you know, with uh, tires being molded to deeper tread depths, you know, maybe eight or nine thirty seconds. Um, what happens is when the tread is that deep, it can um, squirm a lot. Mm-hmm. It builds heat, and uh, you know, heat is um, not necessarily good for uh, for performance. And you know, there's exceptions to that, but generally speaking, um, if you can kind of keep that heat in check um, by by shaving it, um, and then uh, another advantage being uh, unsprung weight, you know, yeah. you can save. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I remember weighing, you know, the shavings off of a tire before weighing the tire before and after shaving it. And, uh, there, there's some unsprung weight to be saved there mm-hmm. too. And um, there's handling benefits. Like you're talking about the squirm and everything too. Yep. You know, it's always kind of interesting to me if I run the same exact set of tires, you know, I'll, I'll run them down until they get low and then I'll buy another set and put them on and the car feels like it handles different, but right. it's, you know, it's because of the squirm. Yep. That's part of it. Um, you know, another thing is a lot of tires are designed, uh, where, uh, the grooves actually taper down as the tire wears down. And, um, sometimes some of the siping doesn't go all the way down. So mm-hmm. you can actually, uh, sometimes shave a tire to the point where you actually have less void area. Um, and more rubber actually more making contact, contact patch, with the ground. Yeah. 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 So, um, so there's some advantages to it, but, uh, you know, I think most people just <laughs> try it and find out that they're faster by shaving. They don't necessarily know the logic behind it or why it works, but yeah. they just, now, you were know. you, were you heat cycling tires too? Or? No, 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 I didn't really get into that. Okay. And, uh, you know, at that time, um, I don't think that was quite as uh common i uh i think just the the tires that were coming out at that time um and this was uh around 2008 to 2000 or i'm sorry 2011 until uh 2014 okay that's kind of the time frame that this all was going on so um the tires that were coming out at that time um probably didn't really need heat cycling. The, the street as much. tires. Yeah, there was yeah. more. It was a lot more of the street tires. Yeah. Although I was selling, you know, our compounds and, and, and other race tires. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of the people just didn't have a need for for the heat cycling, or they would just do it on their own. You know. Okay. So now, for for you know some of the RC ones and the VR ones, I mean, is there is it recommended to heat cycle them before you run them? Is are there any like Maxis guidelines like some of the other manufacturers might have? Yeah, I, I think uh, we we do recommend to scrub them in um, before going out and doing hot laps. So okay. um, you know, just just like most of the new tires, I think uh, getting that mold release off and getting a little heat in them first before you run them 
um, is, is going to help, mm-hmm. um, you know, what happens with the rub, rubber compound and, and how all that kind of gels together, um, getting a little heat in them first and letting them cool. Yeah. Um, really. What's, what's usually, what do you guys usually recommend as far as cooling off period and, and kind of letting it have that final cure process? You know, uh, I know a lot of people in the industry talk 24 hours. Um, not sure, you know, if you guys have any specific amount of time that you recommend. Yeah. Maxis doesn't have a set standard for our performance tires or for our competition tires. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we, we just recommend scrubbing them in and then letting them cure for a while. So, okay. but yeah, we don't, we don't get into specifics as far as a, a time frame on that. Yeah. Now when they were testing the VR one, do you know if they experimented with shaving them at all? Um, you know, we haven't yet. Um, okay. and, uh, that's something that, uh, I, I'm looking forward to doing. I, I would like to, uh, uh, to get a set shaved um, at at some point here to test them out that way, um, you know, nine thirty seconds is pretty deep. So yeah. um, for some people, you know, that that might not work. They they might want to. It's, it's shave for the it people down. that are looking for like the extra tenth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's still going to be a great tire at nine thirty yeah. seconds. Don't get me wrong, but um, there, I would say there's some potential for you know a, a little bit of. Uh, uh, better performance by by doing it in certain conditions. It all depends on the application and, and the conditions. So, right. For yeah. most people, though, you know, shaving the tires just kind of throwing away money because that's extra <laughs> extra tread. That's right. Just going down the drain. Yeah, yeah. I would say if you're using uh, your VR ones as a street tire, um, you know, in addition to autocross and stuff like that, I would say probably just leave them full tread depth. You know, it's it's not really going to be necessary to shave them all the way down, and they're probably not going to be um, as good as they could be on the street. You know, if you do run into some standing water or something, yeah. You know, four thirty seconds nowadays is when a lot of repair shops start recommending to replace. Yeah. So, um, were there any, you know, coming in and starting to work in the tire industry, uh, were there any things that were kind of surprising to you as an enthusiast um, that, you know, that you thought were one way and then were another? Like for me, when I came into the industry, um, you know, because my background, I worked at, at Continental Tire for, for a couple of years. Um, but one of the, the big things that kind of blew my mind was from when I started autocrossing, everyone was like, oh, you see those triangles on the side of your tires? That's the rollover marker, you know? That's where, you know, the tire, that's what it's there for, is for performance. But if you kind of get into the industry, you start realizing that that just kind of locates where the wear bar is on the tread. (laughs) So, you know, it's one of those things that, like, autocrossers and and performance people, they kind of swear by it because somewhere along the line in the industry, that became, like, the standard. Like, that's where you need to... uh, to tune your rollover by, which, I mean, it's a great mark to be able to do that with, but that's not, in the industry, that's not what it is put there for. Yeah, I, I would say there weren't any um, major differences, I guess, from what I knew before. I mean, uh, again, I worked in the retail side of things. I worked in the wholesale side. I own my own business, and now I'm on the manufacturer side in the tire industry. So I've I've kind of been around long enough that I, I kind of learned what most of those things are. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't anything that I guess was like a huge surprise to me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess uh, just, you know, I... I I think the thing I learned is just, you know, I have a better understanding of, of how the manufacturer side of things works, you know, and um, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, some things aren't as complicated as they think and other things aren't as simple as they think. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. It, it's it's uh, the public perception of uh, what a tire manufacturer is and does, um, I think, is a little bit skewed uh, in, you know, compared to reality. So, yeah. So, well, uh, where can people find out more about you and about Maxis? Um, you know, I'm pretty active online, uh, you know, typical social media channels I'm around. Otherwise, uh, you know, feel free if you want to connect with me on there. Otherwise, 
Um, I'm pretty active on, on some of the uh, autocross forums and some of the different car forums as well. So um, I'm around. You can find me one way or another. All right. <laughs> and what about Maxis? Where can people find out more about Maxis? Uh, Maxis.com is probably going to be the best, uh, best source. Okay. Um, and we actually, uh, some of our tires are actually available for purchase on Maxis.com. I think we talked a little bit about um, the VR1 will be available there when that comes out. We currently sell the, the uh, RC1 is on there. We also sell our rally tire, the uh, R19. Oh, okay. Um, and then our trailer tire is also available on there, and uh, which is a whole other topic. But we're we're pretty well known for our trailer tires. If you uh, if you Google trailer tires, you'll find a lot of information about Max's trailer tires. We have a pretty good reputation there. So, um, but yeah, uh, Max's dot com. We're we've got a Facebook page, uh, Max's Tires, um, also Instagram. Um, so yeah, we we shouldn't be too hard to find. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Justin. Absolutely. And we look forward to talking to you in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Austin. Have a good one. You too.